Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast, where this week we are privileged to have Pastor Aaron Dives giving a great message. Enjoy. House on a strong foundation. I've never been in the foundations of my house before until yesterday. We had a leak, and the man who came to fix it dropped a pipe under the floorboards. And Lindsay says, my dad, when he went under the floorboards the last time, he got stuck and Robert had to come and saw him out. And the gentleman had a large, rather large belly. And so I says, listen, I'll go down under the floorboards. I've never been in the floorboards under in the foundation of my house in my entire life in the existence of this house. And yet yesterday, here was I. Here we are in the foundations. <laughs> Trying to find a loose pipe from a radiator. You know, what strikes me is how big these foundations are. And I'm glad my house is built on a strong foundation. You probably can't see very well, but uh, you just don't realize what your floorboards are on top of until you're down here. So the wise man is like the man who built his house upon a strong foundation. Let's get out of here. Fortunately, I'm glad to report no signs of mice or rats, thank goodness. Okay, guys, over and out. <laughs> Preachers will find an illustration in anything. You never switch off, do you? You're always looking for an illustration, but significant. Our passage for today, Luke chapter 6, 46 to 49. Luke chapter 6, 46 to 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house. The torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment that torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus also told this story in a slightly different way in Matthew 7 at a different time. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So here Jesus tells the story of two men, and they've got one thing in common. Both of them their homes that they built are battered with storms, torrents, wind, um, and, and beat against that house. That is for sure, isn't it? That in this life, 
There will be significant sources of stress will batter every house. A storm, there will be pressure. There will be traumatic experiences. There will be grief. There will be difficulties. There will be challenges in this storm that will batter every single house. Both those men had that in common. But in this parable, I believe Jesus reveals his desire for you. Jesus reveals the purpose of his teaching. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life in all its abundance. And I believe in this parable, Jesus is showing his desire is that you are unshakable. What almost reveals the purpose of his teaching. If my teaching is heard and applied, this is the result. This is my real desire. I'm your loving father and my desire is that it goes well with you. I am the creator and the master and the architect of all life. I understand it fully and completely and I know how you can get a wonderful, brilliant life. And therefore, I'm going to give you my prescription for life. And if you take my prescription, if you adhere to it, if you take it to the pharmacy and you then start to do what it says on the instructions, not just whatever you want, which we get quite a lot in the pharmacy, then your life will be unshakable. And, um, you know, Jesus doesn't use this word, but popular psychology uses this word. And it uses it, the word resilient. But, and it's, it's a wonderful word, it's a brilliant word, and there's a lot of research being done on resilience. But I believe that Jesus has shown that your life will be unshakable. Your life will be resilient. God wants you to be resilient. He wants you to be resilient in your faith against the storms of secularism, atheism, materialism. He wants you to be unshakable, to have incredible bounce back spiritually, but emotionally, physically, mentally, he wants us to be an unshakable people. He wants us to be a resilient people. That's his desire for his life. And that's the purpose and the result of his teaching. Popular psychology describes resilience this way. It's that ineffable quality that allows some people to be knocked down by life and come back stronger than ever. Is that not almost a good description of the man whose house was battered by storms, but it stayed still? It didn't collapse. The one whose house was built on sand, it, it collapsed and he didn't get back up. But the one who Jesus is describing, we could almost say Jesus was almost way before his time describing resilience. He says, rather than letting failure overcome them, and here's the issue of the day, is teaching our children to be resilient. It's allowing them to experience failure and learn through experience to deal with failure, to deal with the disappointment of failure, to deal with the pain of failure, and to deal with the getting back up and learning to overcome failure, not allowing failure to define them, but learning to overcome failure, and so must we. That failure is one of the greatest learning opportunities in our lives. We must see failure as a great learning opportunity. We mustn't be afraid of failure. If you're not failing, you're playing life way too safe. You're not taking enough risks. We should be failing. Not unnecessarily, but out of good motives and desire. He says, and drain the resolve, they find a way to rise from the ashes. I love that, I love that description. 
Since we're going to be spending some time together, here's an example. I want to show you, okay? Is it all right to have a bit of fun in church, or do you just want solid theology the whole time? Is it all right to have a wee bit of fun? Give me permission. All right, well, here's an example, I believe, of uh, resilience. Since we're going to be spending some time together, I'd like to tell you a little bit about myself. You see, ever since I was a pup, it was clear that I was different. I tried to fit in. No, thank you. But never could. As I grew, I saw more and more of my littermates being chosen by their new families. But for some reason, I never was. Come on, boy. Fetch the stick. But why? Won't you just throw it again? It's an exercise in futility. I don't want this one, Mommy. He's sarcastic. Wait, wait! Come back! Throw the stick! I'll stay, I'll heal, I'll even shake hands! Bark, bark! So... Without a family of my own, I dedicated myself to the pursuit of knowledge, culture, and athletics. I received my degree at Harvard, valedictorian, of course. And then I devoted myself to helping mankind. I pioneered new techniques in alternative energy. Resolved geopolitical conflicts around the globe. And in my spare time, I invented the fist bump, planking, tearaway pants, auto-tune, the backside ollie, and Zuba. But what I'm most proud of is my son, Sherman. Hi, Mr. Peabody. Oh. Have you told them about the way back? I was just getting to that. When I adopted Sherman, I vowed to be the best father I could be to prepare him for all the wonders of the world, present and past. And so Sherman inspired the greatest invention of my life, a time machine. That's a little fun example of resilience, of bouncing back. Resilience can be defined as ability and tendency to bounce back. And bouncing back is what we do when we face disappointment, defeat, and failure, which you will experience in life, and you will experience as a Christian. But instead of wallowing or letting things keep us down, we get back up and continue with our lives. It is a process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress. I think Jesus, when he tells of the man who borrowed his house upon the rock, he's describing a man who has learned to adapt well to the storms of adversity, to the storms of trauma and tragedy and threats and significant sources of, of stress that come in our lives. Jesus doesn't use the word resilient, but resilient has lasted, has been around for thousands of years. It doesn't require special people. Not only special people are resilient, not only Christians are resilient, many Christians are not resilient. Many of other faiths or no faith or atheists are very resilient. Some cultures are incredibly resilient. You'll go to Haiti and find that people have significant sources of stress and tremendous bounce back culturally because they're a, a, a culture that has learned to uh, 
live with and, and, and deal and bounce back from incredible sources of stress. But Jesus came that we may have life and have life in all its abundance. If there should be a resilient people on the face of the earth, emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually, it should be the people of God. Yusra Mardini, hands up if you've heard of Yusra Mardini. Well, after today, you all will. Yusra and her elder sister fled the Syrian war and set off on a perilous journey to find safety in Europe. I'm reading her book just now. She describes her upbringing in Syria, she, the beautiful life that she had. She tells of the wars heading out in Egypt and in neighboring countries and the fear that will arrive on their door. And then she describes it arriving on her door. She describes the bombs going off as she's training in her swimming pool and incredible trauma, resilience, and significant sources of stress that she has to deal with and face in her life. And in the summer of 2015, it became too much, and they decided to leave Syria, traveled through Lebanon to Turkey, departing for Greece in an overcrowded dinghy. Let's watch her story. You could have that sound up nice and nice level. Thank you. boat praying with one voice and it was really loud and I've been looking at the kid with us on the boat I was like the salt in my eyes in my nose in my throat and I was really thirsty also and hungry I still had to make some jokes and to laugh at his face so he won't feel it sister thought about the same thing which is that we are swimmers and yeah it would have been a shame if, if we die there. Refugee you just feel ashamed when you hear this word and then somehow he asked me what do you want to do and then I was like swim and then he was like does it really matter which flag you are representing? I said no, but obviously it was. When I went there, I had a whole different view about everything. I'm now proud about bringing a refugee and making people understand what is a refugee, knowing that I'm representing millions around the world with a lot of dreams and hope. obviously carrying a huge bag with rocks on your back but also you can't get rid of them because they made who you are now and they kind of help you coming through because without this story I'm not gonna be as strong as I am now people that they can continue, you know, no matter what happened.
What an incredible example of resilience, really enjoying her book, and I can't wait for that Hollywood movie to come out. Researcher science has discovered that there is incredible benefits of having resilience in your life. Here's a few. It leads to improved learning and academic achievement. Resilience is related to lower absences from work or school due to sickness. It contributes to reduced risk-taking behaviors, including excessive drinking, smoking, and the use of drugs. Those with greater resilience tend to be more involved in the community and their family activities. Higher resilience is related to a lower rate of mortality and increased physical health. The health benefits have been researched, and these are some of the incredible health benefits. The experience of more positive emotions and better regulation of negative emotions. Now, when Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and life in all abundance, I want to ask you, do you think that Jesus would desire some of these health benefits for you to have in your life? Do you think some of these things Jesus desires of you? He goes on to say that the research shows that there's less depressive symptoms in those who have higher levels of resilience. They've got a greater resistance to stress. Do you think Jesus desires his followers to have a greater resistance to stress? I think so. Better coping with stress through enhanced problem solving, a positive orientation and a reevaluation of stressors. Successful aging and improved sense of well-being despite age-related changes. Better recovery after spinal cord injury, better management of PTSD symptoms, boosts your immune system, and better management of negative emotions. And incredible health benefits of resilience. So it's something that's highly desirable, and it's something that we want in our lives. The good news is you can grow resilience. And uh, as a believer, one with faith who follows Jesus Christ, I believe that he's given us a way to enhance our resilience. And in fact, I think it's one of his purposes and desires for her life. Yusra Mardini is so inspirational as an example of uh, resilience, the Under Armour. Does anybody know the Under Armour clothing brand? Okay, what about Marks and Spencers? Anyone know the Marks and Spencers clothing brand? Right, okay, so we're seeing the demographic change. Uh, <laughs> what about Gola? Gola, anybody know? Gola? No, no it's not Gola that's used there. Uh, what about Z? Anyone heard of Z? No, my first school bag in first year was called Z. I got so much mick taken out of me. I was called, hey, here's Z-Man coming, the master of the universe, Z-Man. Uh, I was like, mom, I'm never taking that bag to school. Why did you get me a pound stitcher Z-Bag? <laughs> Get my Adidas one. <laughs> Under Armour are so inspired by Yusra Mardini, they're using her as one of her, uh, their ambassadors um, and, and their advertising campaigns because marketing is all about stories. And they love a good story. So here's Under Armour's take on Yusra Mardini. I shouldn't be alive today. I should have been killed by the bomb that hit the pool in Damascus. I should have drowned in the Mediterranean Sea. I should have been one of the many faceless refugees who died along the way. But I am here. Alive. Because I kept moving. So many things tried to stop me. To break me. So many times something whispered. This. Now this will defeat you. But I kept moving. Moving as I left my family behind. 
Moving through the fear when I was hiding in the forest. Moving through the sea, pulling a boat through the waves. And now, when my exhaustion rises, I remember. And my strength just rises higher. It says, greater things than this have tried to stop me. And I keep moving. So don't swallow the lie that if you start wearing Under Armour, you're going to be incredibly resilient like usual, Mardini. You're not. Okay, sorry to burst the bubbles there, but uh, just, just in case. Uh, the good news is um, rely, uh, resilience can be grown. I can, um, and this is referred to as self-learned res resilience, that we can grow it. And um, how do you become more resilient? This researchers say, resilience is not an immutable, you have or not sort of trait. That's good news. There may be a genetic component to a person's base level of resilience, but you're always able to improve upon the resilience you have. And um, researchers are just discovering the truth of what God created as the creator and the master architect and author of all life. Jesus said in the passage we looked at, what good does it do for you to say that I am your Lord and Master if what I teach you is not put into practice? So the whole question is, are you a churchgoer or a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because there's a massive difference. And going to church is a good thing. And it's got positive benefits. And we're singing together, you're meeting new people. But that's vastly different from being a follower of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, what good does it do if you say I'm your Lord and Master, if what I teach you is not put into practice? How do you know if Jesus is your Lord and Master? Or do you put what he teaches into practice? That's what he's saying. Let me describe the one who truly follows me and does what I say. What is the result of putting his teaching into practice? Incredible resilience. Your life will be like a house built upon a solid rock that will be battered by storms and wind and rain and floods, but it will stand strong. It will not be crushed. Jesus Christ's desire is for an abundant, strong life that is resilient spiritually through the storms of atheism, atheism secularism, materialism, through this... Um, what is referred to as digital Babylon in which we now exist. There's a spirit of digital Babylon that is seeking to change our identity, our mindsets, our habits, our morals, and our beliefs. But resilient, spiritually people like Daniel in physical Babylon, us in digital Babylon can be equally resilient and not influenced to have a different worldview and mindset but can stand strong in the truth. He says, they're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid that foundation. And when the flood came, the torrent struck. That house could not shake it. That, sorry. Um, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it. Unshakable. You know our God's unshakable? And his desire is that you are unshakable. Through every significant source of stress, storm, and difficulty, he desires your life to be unshakable. But we have got a very shakable nation. Very shakable. A girlfriend leaves a boyfriend and he goes and commits suicide in England this week. There's much more complex to it than that, and there's much more history. We understand that. But 
We have got a shakeable nation that doesn't know how to deal with failure, doesn't know how to deal with disappointment, doesn't know how to bounce back, doesn't know what resilience is. They've been so mollycoddled and pampered in their upbringing where everything is spoon-fed to us. We've never had to learn to dig deep, to fight hard, to get ourselves back up. And we have become a very soft culture. But Jesus desires that we are resilient people, spiritually, physically, mentally, and emotionally. But the one who has heard my teaching and does not be it is like a man who builds a house without laying any foundation whatsoever. I was in the foundations of my house. We sang this morning, we build our lives on his foundation of his love. Well, those who love him are those who obey his commands. Those who love him are those who obey his commands. That's what it means to build your life on his love. Love responding to love as a father and a son, not as a commander, a military type command, but a father type prescription. A father son, a loving prescription for health, a loving prescription for vitality, a loving prescription for true life is what he desires. When the storms and floods rage against that house, it will immediately collapse. And this is what we're seeing. We're seeing collapse. We're seeing collapse all around us. We're seeing people that have lack the ability to bounce back, lack the ability to overcome uh, significant sources of stress or grief or pain. There's, a, there's an obvious uh, uh, natural response of grief. But resilience people go through that and grieve, and grieve we should. But then we bounce back. We still carry the grief, but we bounce back and get on with life. And Jesus Christ desires that we obviously grieve, which is right and appropriate. And that takes uh, as long as we need it to take. There's no rush for, we shouldn't rush grief. We'll never lose the pain of, of losing a loved one. And Jesus is there in that grief, but he also gives us the strength to rise back up and not stay down in the ashes. Adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, significant sources of stress may batter your house. But will you collapse or will you bounce back? How will you be unshaken or will you collapse? Well, Jesus says there's a way to build your life to make sure that you won't collapse. He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. Three essential components. It's not about going to church. It's not about going to church, being a church attender. Many going to church will not be in church in five years' time. Many going to church will not be here in 10 years' time. Many who are apparent churchgoers in the world of Christianity over the period of 20, next 20, 30, 40 years are going to face disappointment and even disappointment with God, the expectations that God didn't come through and meet the needs as, he, as they thought that he should. There's going to be disappointments. There's going to be stress in the future. What soil will, what, what, what kind of soil have people built? There will be weeds, there'll be, everything will be sent that will apparently choke. But Jesus says, if you build your life, if you come to me, hear my words, put them into practice, you are building on good soil and you're going to bear fruit in your life. So three very quick things. One, come to him. A disciple of Jesus, before they come to church, over and above coming to church, and I'm not undervaluing the importance of church, 
but I'm not over-evaluating its significance or importance either because you can go to church and not come to him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You see, a disciple of Jesus has to come. That's the way to rest. The way to find rest is coming to him. We search for rest everywhere. We go, we pay lots of money to get that two weeks rest. Jesus doesn't want you to have two weeks rest of a year. He wants you to have an inner rest, an inner foundation of rest, an inner composure of rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The commands of Jesus are not burdensome. They're easy and they're light. Not easy necessarily to follow, but his burden is light. Number two, hear his words. My sheep listen to my voice. Resilient disciples through research over the last three years by, by Barna, those who remain and are resilient through the cultural Babylon in which they exist, have got many practices and strengthens. One of them in their lives is that they have a personal close walk with Jesus Christ and they hear from him regularly. A living, vibrant life of Jesus Christ is essential to be a resilient disciple in the cultural Babylon in which we exist. He says, I know them and they follow me. We must learn to hear his voice. The voice of conviction, the voice of love, the voice of encouragement, but there will be a voice of conviction. It's not just all lovey-dovey. A father, of course, encourages, but the father also warns. The Father directs and leads and guides. And number three, this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. This is love for God to go to church every Sunday. Doesn't say that. This is, church, this, is, this is love for God to shop at church whenever you can. Doesn't say that. This is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. And those who keep his commands are here the teaching of Jesus, put them into practice, are like the man who built his house upon the rock, and they're resilient physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And the Aramaic word for command, you see, command in our brains, we think of military and we don't really like it. You don't command anybody to do anything. You ask politely in our culture. And fathers now shouldn't command their children to do anything. This should suggest positively the better choice or the consequences of their poor choice. I'm like, get your room tidied. <laughs> Why? Because I can't stand it when it's a mess, all right? That's all you need to know. Just get it tidied. <laughs> I don't have time to explain all the psychological benefits of living in a tidy room. <laughs> it's always lunchtime. But the Aramaic word includes a lot more than just what we understand as a military. I think the best way to understand the commands of Jesus is to view them as coming from a father to a child, okay? View them like a prescription. It includes precepts, injunctions, and a prescription, which is like an authoritative recommendation, principles, rules, guidelines, a warning, directions. Okay, so we have to view the commands of Jesus um, as a father to a child. He's loving. We don't obey the commands of Jesus to get saved. We're saved by grace. We don't obey the commands of Jesus to stay saved, or so we don't lose our salvation. 
We're kept by His grace. It's love responding to love. It's living in the Father's house. It's like, I want to please you, Father. You're so good to me. I want to please you. I want to know what, what's, the, what's the rules of your house. I respect living in your house, so I'm not just going to leave my dirty socks lying around. What, how, do you, how would you have me live in your house? What's the kind of house rules? That's maybe more how we should view the commands of Jesus. You know, the Great Commission, the Great Commission is teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And observe means to practice, implement, follow, and demonstrate. So there we have it again. Go and make disciples. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded. Okay? The one who hears the words of Jesus, puts them into practice, is like the man who built his house upon the rock. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Why? Because you have disciples who have a resilient life, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually resilient through every storm of life. Lastly, to finish off, there's a book with which uh, Dave Kinnaman, Faith for Exiles, Five Ways for a New Generation to Follow Jesus in Digital Babylon. Bit of a mouthful, but it's uh, Barner research over the last three years of the 10% of those that are raised in church, the young generation. What is it about those that stay in church and have got a living, vibrant faith? What is it that's different about them? And there's a lot of research, and I just want to pull out one or two things that they have highlighted. That green on that you don't know you'll be able to see it very well, but the green on the right is what they refer to as resilient disciples. It's those that are living, remaining vibrant, love their faith, love God, have a missional focus and a missional purpose to their lives as as opposed to habitual churchgoers or the nomads or the unchurched or the prodigals or the ex-Christians. And there's two questions there. Jesus speaks to me in a way that is relevant to my life. Resilient disciples, 83% say yes. They're living in a living, vibrant relationship where they're hearing from Jesus. Personally, I can't emphasize that enough. If you're a church core, but you're not listening or don't know how to hear Jesus, then it's detrimental to our faith. Number two is listening to God is a big part of my prayer life. 78% said yes. All right, I'm going to skip that quote. It's in your notes. Um, I'll read a couple of sentences then. We found that resilient disciples are highly likely to say that Jesus speaks to them. Okay, and you can read the full quote on your own. It's in your notes. So it's not just about the entertainment culture, is it? If I was to ask you, okay, what are the commands of Jesus? And we can maybe do that We survey just now. Can, can anyone think of a command of Jesus? Okay, if, if you hear my words and put them into practice, well, well what words? You said a lot of words, Jesus. What, what words are we referring to? If you hear my words, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded, what did Jesus command? Uh, it's interesting there that this is the commands of Jesus. So it's not the Old Testament. It's not even the epistles. It's the, word, the very words of Jesus. Teaching them to observe the very words of Jesus. Why? Because they are literally the words of God. Jesus is God. So we're just to say, can you think of a command of Jesus right now? Could you think of one? Could you think of two, three, four, five? How many is there? Well, this guy's done a wonderful job. His name's Blackaby, and he has arranged them into seven, uh, five or six categories. 
and um, it would be a great study. And the link to get a free PDF of that book is in the, the Uversion notes. And you can buy it for less than three pounds. Um, and so I'm not going to go into this because I'm going to ask the band to come back up. But um, I'm not going to do any justice, but just to show you, you know, it's all about loving God and loving people, isn't it? It's simple. Love God, love people. But the words of Jesus and the commands of Jesus are an extension of, well, what does that look like? And how do we do that practically? Okay, so the commands of Jesus, did you think of any? Could you think of one, two, or three, four, or five, six, zero? Just very quickly to close. Number one, the category of come to God, which includes repent, change the way you think and act, come as a child, love God with all your being, receive the Holy Spirit, enter the narrow door, worship in spirit and truth, abide in Jesus, repent and remember. And he's got scriptures for all of these. It'd be a really good study for you, maybe to do one a week. And um, look at saying, how much of that am I putting into practice? So it's about come to him, hear my teaching, put them into practice. How much of this am I putting into practice in my life? Okay, sorry, I'm... There, there it was there. The first category was come to God. The next was Jesus is Lord. Deny yourself. Really important teaching of a follower of Jesus. It's not uh, cultural. <laughs> it's not popular. But uh, really important. Take up my yoke and learn from me. Follow me. You have heard it said. But I say, pray this way. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I said. There's scriptures for all of these. Why? Why is this so important? If you hear my teaching and put it into practice, your house will be like the man who built on a solid rock. What teaching? Well, this is the New Testament, and that's where I would focus your reading. Focus on Jesus. Focus on his teaching. Focus on applying. Focus on listening. Focus on hearing. Thirdly, character. Walk in the light. Shine your light. Be humble. Be merciful. Judge not. Freely give. Be perfect. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't swear an oath. Have category. Have integrity. <laughs> Four. Love one another concerning others. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Forgive. Go and be reconciled with others. Treat others as you want to be treated. Wonderful truths. Lastly, calling. Seek first God's kingdom. Go baptize and teach. Go into all the world. Feed my lambs. Preach the gospel. Pray to God and send out workers. Watch and pray. Be ready. Don't worry about how to witness. And then there's a number of cautions there as well. And it's all uh, in, in that PDF that you can download for free. Let's stand to our feet. Okay. Lord Jesus. We want to be a resilient people. We want to be a people, God, that look and reflect the character and nature of Jesus and do the works of Jesus. We want to be a people, Lord, who are, have lives that are built upon solid rock. We want to be a shining light in this community. And Lord, we pray that we would be a generation of resilient disciples that come to you, that know how to hear your voice, and number three, are putting into practice the words of Jesus so that our lives are becoming stronger and stronger and stronger, and we have a house that is built upon solid rock that's able to withstand every 
stress, pressure, disappointment, failure, grief that comes into our lives. God, you're a good, loving Father. You sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, to die upon the cross that whoever believes in Him could start a brand new life today. Jesus offers you a chance to become His follower. Would you like a house that is built on the rock will come today, make a decision. I'm going to come to Him. I'm going to listen to Him and I'm going to put into practice His teaching. That's what a Christian is. That's what a follower of Him is. And how do you do that? You recognize Jesus died on the cross. You ask Him to forgive you for going your own way and you ask Him to make you a brand new person from the inside out. We can do that right now. Let's repeat after me, everybody, nice and loud. Dear Father, I love you. Thank you for sending your Son to die upon a cross. I'm sorry, Lord, for going my own way. I need you. I want to be resilient physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So help me to come to you, to listen to you, and to put into practice what you show me. I choose today to follow you in Jesus' name. Anybody say that for the first time today? Just put your hand up. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Put a wonderful, wonderful. You know, you maybe have been coming here for a long time and you enjoy it, but maybe he's taking it to a new level today. Let's take it to a new level, folks. Let's take it beyond the Sunday experience, the Sunday entertainment, the Sunday high, the Sunday injection. You can't live on a once-a-week injection. You need His words. There's a wee team at the back. The, the, the red light's flashing on. See, there's three talking here at the back. Yeah, 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 them. Uh, they've got a nice wee gold or silver bag that they can give you to help you become a follower of Jesus if you want to speak or ask questions. Church, today, is a fire up kind of message. It's a fire up to come back to our first love. What does it mean to come back to our first love? Put him first, his teaching, hear his voice. Let's be stirred. Let's worship. We're going to have a, a few songs of worship to finish with. We're going to finish at half past so that those can come to Connect Sunday. If you're new to the church or never managed last Connect Sunday, please join us in that room for a free light lunch and just give you a short overview of what it means to be a, uh, a member here at the church. So. Let's just worship. Thank you, George.